Ocean Martin, one of your hosts. And I'm Grace Ocean, your co-host. Welcome to What's Going On, Eyes on Africa and the Caribbean. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you will tune in regularly. This podcast is for the millions of African and Caribbean people living in the United States seeking a connection with the people and places they love and left behind in their home country. What's Going On, Eyes on Africa and the Caribbean, intends to bring you a bi-weekly diet of interviews, discussions, and music that highlight life in African and Caribbean countries. Join us as we follow social and economic development issues in and around Africa and the Caribbean, including issues about youth, health, education, business, and entrepreneurism. We explore these issues from different generational perspectives and understandings, which we hope will ultimately open people's minds and bridge the generational divide. Today, we're talking about the coronavirus, among other things, and our first guest, Dr. Carl Nematali, is a physician who has devoted many years of his life, and certainly his entire career, to health and education in Guyana. Dr. Namatali has over 35 years as a physician. He's a visionary, a pioneer, and a social entrepreneur, playing major role as a medical doctor and consultant, chief executive officer, and managing director. He is the president of the Guyana Cancer Prevention Society and owner of the country's only state-of-the-art crematorium, Memorial Gardens. Dr. Nimetali is also the founder of Guyana Cares, a nonprofit organization that focuses on bringing awareness to the health issues and other challenges facing Guyana. He is community-driven, caring, and believes in giving back. Dr. Nimetali joins us today to talk about the coronavirus and its impact on the Caribbean. Welcome, Dr. Nimetali. Yeah, thank you. At this time, the WHO is reporting that there are almost 2 million cases of the coronavirus and almost 125,000 deaths worldwide. Obviously, these numbers are continue to grow daily. A breakdown of the numbers by John Hopkins University Coronavirus Resource Center, which can be found at coronavirusjhu.edu, suggests that Africa and the Caribbean are not seeing the calamitous numbers that we're seeing in the West, at least not at this time. So, Dr. Nimatali, first, what should we know that perhaps may have been lost in the onslaught and somewhat frenzied media reporting of this lethal virus? So, essentially, what, what could have been lost is the um, time in which um, not a great many tests were done for various reasons. But so far, the figures from the Healthy Caribbean Coalition, which is based in Barbados and do excellent work um, on healthcare. Their main focus is on NCDs. Um, so they have so far recorded a total of 583 persons tested in the Caribbean countries that make up CARICOM. 
uh, with 43 deaths, which thankfully is very low. Trinidad had 109 persons tested and 8 deaths. Uh, that's the highest. Dominica, 16 persons tested and 0 deaths. With Guyana, 40 uh, tested with 6 deaths. And Jamaica, 65 persons tested with 4 deaths. So I think as we move forward, uh, the main issue is, of course, prevention, which is the cure. And in terms of dealing with this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, it's testing, tracing contacts, and treatment. Those are the main issues. And as I said, um, the, the problem at this moment is our testing capacity, test as many people as need to be tested. Uh, there is a policy in most of the Caribbean countries of similar to the U.S. and other places, of uh, lockdown, where people are advised to stay at home. And um, I don't like the, the phrase social isolation. I would prefer physical isolation or quarantine, because even while pe people are on their own, uh, they should still be social connections. So it's not so much social isolation. It's physical isolation, but social connections. But that's a, that's a minor issue and just my perspective. WHO uh, has designated a group of diseases as NCDs, which is non-communicable disease. And this accounts for about 70%, 80% of um, mortality in low- and middle-income countries, including the Caribbean. And they include cardiovascular disease, diabetes, stroke, or cerebrovascular disease, cancer, which is a huge issue, not just because I'm a medical oncologist, and neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's. So those present a major challenge for these countries. And on top of that, you have this issue with coronavirus, uh, which is quite serious. And it, sorry, I should, sorry, uh, Moronke, I should just add that people with, um, one of the main challenges now is that people with NCDs, these non-communicable diseases, they have a higher mortality as a result of these pre-existing diseases or uh, these um, other illnesses that they have. They're the people who are more likely to suffer a higher mortality rate. Considering that NCDs are common among Black people, the coronavirus in Africa and the Caribbean could be pretty devastating if it gains a foothold there, correct? Well, I think on a percentage basis, there certainly is a higher percentage of, of deaths among uh, the Black community. And that's that. there's a number of reasons for that. Um, you know, Part of the reason is the socioeconomic consequences of, of that group. Um, living in certain areas, you know, more people living more closely together in urban areas. More people are in contact with each other. A lot of um, these folks um, are in jobs that they have to go out, for example, in healthcare, in service industries. So there's more contact uh, among those groups groups of people. So there's a socioeconomic issues associated with, with this group, as well as the relatively higher risk 
of these non-communicable disease of diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, uh, chronic obstructive areas disease, which includes asthma, and people who have autoimmune disorders and HIV AIDS. Those are the people, and if you're elderly, at higher risk of uh, for coronavirus, and they have a poorer outcome as well. I guess that's why the death toll is higher in the black communities in the U.S. Yes, I agree entirely uh, for this for two reasons. Number one is because of the pre-existing medical conditions, as I mentioned. And now, uh, you know, for any significant amount of patients, um, patient load or people getting sick from coronavirus, the medical infrastructure is not as good and robust as it is, for example, in New York, though New York is a different uh, story. But, but you know, there's no lack of resources, financial resources and human resources. There's a, a tremendous amount comparatively to those faced in um, the Caribbean countries. So those are some of the issues. And as a result, it will be a greater challenge. Dr. Nimatali, you have a few interesting thoughts about what's going on with coronavirus and how we should tackle it. You say prevention is the cure. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, this really comes from um, Guyana Cancer Prevention Society, which is a huge issue in my um, field, is that because uh, dealing with cancer is a huge issue. And when patients come to see me, is that they want to know a, B, C. What's wrong with them? They want to know A, B, C. They will take anything but cancer because cancer is a devastating disease. And one of the reasons is because cancer in these patients, a lot of these patients tend to present late stage three and four, so cure is difficult. So prevention is the cure. And in the with the issue of the coronavirus, if we can prevent people getting the virus, people getting infected. That virtually is a cure. Now, not everybody who gets the virus, if their immune system is very robust and they're healthy, but I should mention that younger people are also at risk. Young people sometimes feel, you know, they're indestructible, they can do anything, uh, you know, and they have no consequences. Well, there are consequences. And the reason is, that young people should remember, and everyone should remember, healthy people never think about being sick. But sick people can only ask themselves, when am I going to get well? When am I going to get healthy? So the bottom line is everyone tends to take, not everyone, but most people, tend to take their health for granted. So going to the, to the issue, prevention is the cure. This is why the recommendation from the health sector dealing with the coronavirus is that everybody stay home. Because if you stay home, you isolate yourself for two weeks, you follow the guidelines of uh, staying safe, uh, hand washing, good hygiene, no touching of your face, washing your hands for at least 20 seconds. If you, you go out, maintain the safe physical space, wear a mask, it can protect you from droplet infections. And, you know, 30 to 60% from some uh, studies show that 
30 to 60% of people are asymptomatic. They have no symptoms of coughing, fever, sneezing, sore throat. Some of the other symptoms are muscle pain, chest tightness, shortness of breath. Some people may lose the sense of smell and taste. Some people may be nauseated and some patients may complain of diarrhea. So that's the constellation of symptoms that patients will complain of when there would be a strong index of suspicion that they may have the coronavirus. So going back to that, masks are important, especially in public place. No handshaking, no touching. Well, obviously, if you're uh, two meters away, then that's not possible. Avoid touching your face. Disinfect all surfaces that other people are touching, right? And, And when you get home, Take your shoes off, leave them outside the door, change your clothes, have a shower, fresh clothes, fresh clean clothes, and then you do the laundry with the clothes that you came in. Those simple things are protective. And while you're you're staying safe, the other important issue to look at is nutrition. Most people are at home, right? So there's a number of foods that I would just like to mention that, you know, uh, have greater, uh, that protects the immune system and strengthen the immune system. And and these are, if I may just mention them, a chicken soup, uh, beef bone broth, mushrooms, spinach, honey, tomatoes, and multigrain breads and grain, salmon and tuna. Those are foods that can strengthen the immune system. Some people, nuts as well, like almonds. And of course, avocado, which is good for everything under the sun. And it really is. Uh, so, so the other thing is that um, there is some evidence out there that foods high in zinc. And I'm not recommending that people should go out and just buy these foods. But, you know, having a higher level of zinc than a low level of zinc is also so helpful if you have a higher level of zinc in terms of infection because we know when when you're infected the level of zinc uh, falls and so so there's some good eats and uh, i should mention um there is there's a a chef by the name of andrew zimmerman and he has a very interesting program what eats america uh so i've watched it and it's it's an excellent program And, and it should be what america is eating or should be eating or what we should all be eating uh, and, and the thing about it is that nutrition is so important in terms of good health. Absolutely important. And he quoted the figure of $1.3 billion US dollars is spent on these NCDs, right? So if, if that money could be repurposed in eating good food, it would go a long way. But I was about to mention some of the things, some of the foods that's high in zinc. And these are nuts, legumes, uh, multigrain, meat, whether it's beef, turkey, lamb or pork, lentils, dark chocolate, and sesame seeds. Those are some of the things, eggs as well, that are rich in and have high levels of zinc. So nutrition at this time when people are isolated uh, in physical quarantine is very important and staying well hydrated. So those are some of the issues uh, in terms of, of dealing with this 
um, coronavirus. Yes, nutrition is important, but as you know, many of these foods can be very expensive for some families. I recognize that that's absolutely true. And, and unfortunately, in some neighborhoods, these types of food are not always available. You know, that's that's one of the unfortunate things. Uh, and uh, But, you know, a diet that is rich in fruit and vegetables, whole grain, multigrain, is absolutely important. Absolutely important. And, you know, obesity is a huge driver of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and cancer, the three main NCDs. Though I must say that I don't like the terminology NCDs, which WHO has also accepted, non-communicable disease. Because why is it non-communicable? When people, young people hear non-communicable disease, the first thing they say, oh, I can catch it, so I don't need to worry. But when you think of cancer, which is one of the main challenges that we face. Because cardiovascular disease, blood pressure, cholesterol can be controlled. High blood pressure can be controlled. Diabetes, blood sugar can be controlled if people exercise and lose weight. So in terms of cancer, it's an entirely different thing. Heart disease and diabetes in the early stage can be prevented and reversed. Not so with cancer. And here's the thing that should be remembered. We're all absolutely concerned about coronavirus, and we should all be, because, you know, we're here, and it's affecting the whole planet. The problem is that in terms of cancer, there are five viruses that are sexually transmitted that causes cancer, about nine different types of cancers. So we have a huge challenge from viruses, which pose these challenges. COVID is an RNA virus, and RNA viruses are notorious for causing us problems in terms of vaccines. It's an RNA. The genetic structure of the of the COVID-19 is an RNA virus. But, you know, there's a lot of work, and I'm pretty sure, I'm hopefully we're all praying for, for a vaccine. Sooner the better, 12 to 18 months, Dr. Fauci has said, and, and he is the expert. So, you know, until that time, as I said, prevention is the cure. As we move forward, we need to be mindful. And, and when I say be mindful, it's, it's one of the seven pillars that I feel are so important for us to navigate our daily life. Dr. Nimitali, you have a philosophy or an approach that you have labeled the seven pillars. What are those seven pillars? Well, I, 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 the reason why I believe that the seven pillars are important is as we navigate life, we need to, everyone seeks to have a good life. That's the number one thing. And so therefore... For us to have a good life, I think, first of all, good health is important. Coronavirus tells us that, reminds us of that. So it's important that we all do the following. These are the seven pillars. Number one, we all take responsibility for everything that we do. That is so important because if we don't take responsibility, we wouldn't deal with the other pillars. Number two, we make good choices. If you choose to smoke, drink as much as you want, do drugs, 
you'll suffer the consequences. So making good choices. A good choice now is stay home. Social, sorry, physical distancing, right? Follow the uh, um, rules and advice of hand hygiene and the other wash your hands, So uh, clean the surfaces and wear a mask. So that's important. Those are the good choices. So take responsibility, make good choices, be disciplined. You know you have to stay at home, so you stay at home. You know you wear your mask. Unless we have discipline, we're not going to get very far. Number four, respect. If we respect each other, that's important. If you respect someone, you'll wear your mask. You wouldn't touch them. Respect others. You don't want to, to pass on the virus. Wearing the mask is simple. Protecting you, protecting me. That's a simple slogan. You protect, put your mask on, you're telling someone, I'm protecting you, and I'm protecting me. So if we, if we all respect each other, we, we, sh- we wouldn't really have conflicts. When you respect someone, you don't try to harm them in any way. Speak no evil. Do no evil. Cooperation. That's another pillar. We, at this time, coronavirus is teaching us and forcing us that collectively we must all cooperate. And if we do, we can deal with this virus. Number six, we should all be mindful. Now is the time to reflect and remind ourselves of what our values are and how we need to view life on the whole, to be mindful of nature, of climate change, of our friends, our loved ones. And lastly, an act of kindness and generosity will go a far way. If every, not so much every day, but if every week we do an act of kindness for someone, maybe it's someone we don't know, maybe it's helping someone, an elderly person, cross the street or carry her bags or opening the door for someone who's carrying bags and their arms are full. It makes us a better person. And that is what is so important. And I think if if people are reminded of these seven pillars, as I call them, which we which would be the foundation for our life, for a good life, and how we navigate life in general. I'll just mention them quickly again. Number one, take responsibility for all your actions. Make good choices. Show discipline. Respect. Let us cooperate. Be mindful and an act of kindness towards our fellow brothers and sisters and friends and strangers. This is what I feel is needed at this time to help us to navigate and defeat this coronavirus. When this pandemic is over, are there other issues that you see as challenges that need to be addressed immediately in the Caribbean? I'd like for people to remember that the last hundred days has, if not done anything, it has changed the entire planet. Where everyone understands that life can be very fragile, And you could be taken away at any time. So we need to be very mindful 
and we need to act responsible and make good choices. I'm sorry to, to return to, to a couple of the pillars. But as we move, move forward, for example, in some places, wildlife trade, where people consume the meat, is still something that people are involved in. It is my belief that should be banned. Right? No one, no one should be consuming these animals. Some of them are endangered. Uh, secondly, we need to understand, because of climate change and global warming, that as we invade the space of animals and other species, mammals, there are other, these mammals have vectors that carry viruses. And as climate change progresses, and these animals come closer to man as their habitats are destroyed. We also run the risk of being infected with these new viruses. I mean, it was only 20 years ago that we started with SARS, Severe Acute Respiratory Distress Syndrome, the virus that caused that uh, syndrome. Then we had MERS in 2010-2011, and now we have coronavirus. Nobody paid much attention to it, right? But it's here, it's now. And as we move forward, we need to all be very mindful. We need to be prepared for whatever other challenge comes our way in terms of preparedness. We need to be prepared to deal with another crisis like this. Science has responded in a phenomenal way. There are laboratories all over the world that's working around the clock to solve this problem. But, you know, everybody else needs to be involved. The people in the political spectrum need to be involved and support the science of it. The people who are in not-for-profit organizations. So what I think we need is almost like a Manhattan project that would look at this issue of global challenges in terms of infectious disease, in terms of climate change, which is linked to this type of infections that is going to come down, uh, likely to come down in the future. So we need, this is where it's so important to have leadership at the global level, WHO, UN, and all the other in international institutions need to come together. We can solve these problems if we determine that it is important. And, you know, I have no doubt that we'll survive corona, but we should learn the important lessons from it. The, Yes, it's, it's sad that we will lose a lot of good people. People will lo lose loved ones. What, what is really very difficult is the people in the front lines dealing with this crisis, the health care sector, and the police, and the ambulance people, and all the other uh, people. They are being strained to the limit. I know, I've been there. I'd love to. I, I would love to go out and work tomorrow morning. I'm trying to get home, uh, but I'm st stranded temporarily in New York, and, I, and my skills are available. 
and and it's 40 years um, around you know, 35. <laughs> you just knocked out five years for me. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, I just say, I say it in jest because for sure one of my family members is going to say, ah, what happened to you? Where were you for five years in the wilderness? But But going back to this thing, I think it is so important that out of this great tragedy, we learn lessons to make us better prepared in the future to deal with this sort of thing. I mean, you know, it's like, don't wait until your house is on fire to start looking up whether who's, where are you going to get insurance to cover any loss? I don't think that's such a good idea. So I think we can, I think we can do much, much better. But if we all, if we all stick together, we all pull together, there's fantastic leadership all over the place. Um, that that is providing us with guidelines, and we need to listen to them. People need to understand, right? Um, that as we move forward, how we um, prepare ourselves for the next. I mean, we don't ho- hope to have something like this in the near future, but not being prepared is not such a good idea. So, what about this hydroxychloroquine? How effective is it? Two things. Number one is that. It's a drug that has been around for a long time, and it's used primarily in areas where malaria is a challenge. And it's a very good drug. It's also used for rheumatoid arthritis, not so often, and uh, lupus, discoid lupus. But there's been some anecdotal evidence in China and in France. Anecdotal because... It's not a properly conducted study given the circumstances where doctors have used this on a limited basis and they found that um, there was some response, but it cannot be quantified. And I think Dr. Fauci has explained this very well, right? In that we don't have the evidence at this point in time, you know, um, and I am in agreement with him because that's my training. The interesting thing is that people, lots of people don't know where did chloroquine, this drug, hydroxychloroquine, come from. And this, this drug was first uh, discovered in the rain, Amazon rainforest, in the Amazon. Not the, the other Amazon, not, not Jeff Bezos' Amazon, the other Amazon, the real Amazon in South America, in which Guyana is part Brazil and, and other countries. So, so this drug is from the bark of the Kinshona tree. So when people are talking about it, and I would be the happiest person if it is proven that hydroxychloroquine is a drug that can reduce the infection and help patients to survive and do better. Maybe not a cure, but a good drug that helps. I would be the happiest person. But hydroxychloroquine it came from the bark of the kinshona tree from the amazon rainforest and i just want to make a a quick point is that if we do not protect and preserve the amazon rainforest which is so important for climate change the other important thing is that it contains so much of biological and genetic material that can I'm pretty certain that can cure us for all that ails us. We don't know. And if we destroy what we don't know and understand, perhaps we would have lost the cure for everything that ails us. 
So I, I think it is so important. Amazon is absolutely critical. It's the lungs of the world, right? And and last year, when again, when I heard that the Amazon was on fire, again, I thought of Jeff Bezos, you know, and and um, thing. But I'm glad that he donated a hundred million for the food banks. I'm equally glad that he's giving a huge chunk of money um, for climate change, and I hope that some of those funds go towards protecting and preserving the Amazon rainforest. Well, if you want, we must do that if we're going to prevent climate change. Well, climate change is already here. It's climate emergency. But the thing about it is that when you're talking about protecting and preserving the Amazon rainforest, absolutely. But you can't talk about that if you don't talk about the people who live in the Amazon rainforest. They are the custodians of the Amazon rainforest. If we don't take care of them, who's going to take care of the Amazon rainforest to protect and preserve the Amazon rainforest? We absolutely must do this. And, you know, one of the issues, one of the things we are looking at is cervical cancer. And from some of the studies, uh, women in the rainforest have have a very high level of cervical cancer. So we we were about to start a program with with some support uh, from two organizations that have, have helped to fund us. And it is so important that we protect and preserve the rainforest. Uh, we're doing the HPV testing and, and treatment program. But that's all been put on hold because of coronavirus. Uh, and, but it will go ahead soon. But uh, as I said, this issue of of a virus leapfrogging into man because we are a connected planet now. This thing started in China in Wuhan, and before you know it, in less than three months, it's become a global pandemic. So the thing about it, something that happens, let's say in the rainforest, God forbid, easily can end up in all over the world. I mean, it's not something that we want to do, but again, we must be mindful and we must be prepared to to prevent this sort of thing happening. So I say it again, in terms of cancer, in terms of heart disease, in terms of NCDs, in terms of coronavirus, prevention is the cure and being prepared. Thank you so much, Dr. Niamatali. You've given us a lot to think about. Thank you. Thank you so much. So thank you for having me on. I look forward, if there's another uh, time that you would like to to have me on. Well, that's all for this episode. But we'll be back with more from Dr. Nimitali in upcoming episodes. You've been listening to What's Going On, Eyes on Africa and the Caribbean. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Africa Caribbean and on our website, eyesonafricacaribbean.buzzsprout.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. (laughs) 